What's up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan Podcast. So today we have Peter Winnick on the mic. Peter is the founder and CEO of Thought Leadership Leverage and just an all-around great guy. So Peter, let's just hop right in. All right, Peter, so tell us one thing about yourself that most people don't know. Right, most people don't know that I think it's okay to drink uh, red wine with sushi. I'm a big advocate of Cabernet and sushi and sashimi, and people will often look at that as an odd pairing, but uh, so it's it's the Peter pairing. <laughs> exactly. Listen, you got you know you got to stand for something, so that's my thing. <laughs> yeah, some people stand for uh, cancer research or what have you, but you're like, hey, red wine and sushi. I'm a little. <laughs> I love I'm happy that. in my shallowness. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is so awesome. All right, Peter. So give us a little bit of background about how you got into the leadership space in general, and then we'll really delve into your business model after that. Sure. I mean, so the way I got into the thought leadership space is is really the integration of two sides of my of me that I thought were very distinct that I actually realized could be connected. So on the one hand, uh, I've always been an entrepreneur, starting businesses, you know, in my teens and on and on and on. Started my first real business, I think I was 21, 22. Um, but also simultaneously always being an information junkie, always reading books, always reading magazines. Google that if you're under 30, there were paper things that came in the mail, you know, on a, on a frequent basis. Um, and we, we just always really loved great content and thought leadership. And it was about uh, 2003, 2004, somewhere in that time frame, where I got recruited uh, to do a turnaround at a company that was a communications consulting firm based down in Australia, um, had an operation in North America that was in trouble. And uh, I learned about the business side of thought leadership and content, like you know, how do you sell programs and workshops and work with companies to help them uh, uh, do what they need to do. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. This is like two things that I totally dig. So it's really sort of the business side of thought leadership and uh, content uh, is where I landed, which is a great place for me. So I enjoy it. So. Yeah, one, you've already done it yourself, like you said. So that's pretty awesome that you were able to take your entrepreneurial journey and say, hey, let's let's leverage this now to help others do it. So currently, what? give us a little bit of background on your, your business model, because that's one of the things that really intrigued me, the way that you're helping entrepreneurs to become thought leaders. Yeah, so it's not just entrepreneurs. So uh, Thought Leadership Leverage is a boutique consulting company. We work with authors. We work with speakers. We work with thought leaders, we work with academics, we work with consultants, uh, and then we do a lot of work with founders and CEOs. Uh, and, and the gist really is there, uh, how do you, well, number one, the objective for our clients primarily is to get their content and thought leadership out there to have a greater impact in the world and to monetize it more effectively. The monetization can be done directly. So I've got this suite of content. It lives in a book. I want to sell the books. It lives in a speech. I want to do more speaking. And then there are derivative product offerings and services, consulting services, video-based training, validated assessment tools, et cetera. So that's selling the content. For others, it's getting the content out there to sell another business. So they want to get the content out there to show who they are and what they're about and how they think, but they don't really care about the direct monetization of the content. The content brings awareness to who they are and what they do. <clears throat> Works particularly well in uh, professional services firms, technology firms, financial services firms. You know, if you're if you're in a crowded space trying to differentiate, by the way, most of us are. Um, content and thought leadership is a more cost-effective way to build your brand and, and get the attention that you're looking for. 
Yeah. And one, you hit it on an excellent point there because some people, I mean, they're, they're focused more on the branding side. They're not looking for the direct ROI, but for, for you, I mean, for a lot of people they are saying, how do I, you know, turn a profit by, by being a thought leader in general. Right. And so I want to kind of talk along that strategy for a lot of people, because most of the people that, um, you know, we work with, that's one of their primary concerns is say, okay, I want to actually take the time to brand myself, but I also want it to pay me right in the long run. So what's sure. kind of your, your thought about the difference between those two and, um, between, you know, branding. So I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I, I think the only reason you would brand anything is in the hopes of ultimately monetizing it. Otherwise, what's the point, right? right. So, um, so there's a branding piece to thought leadership. So in my work with clients, we start with, you know, the, the process that we take them to, we start with the strategy. What is the strategy uh, for you, right? And the strategy takes into account typical business things that you would look at strategically. Who are the markets you're gonna serve? How are you gonna serve them? How do you differentiate? What's your competitive uh, advantage? Uh, uh, you know, what's your product roadmap, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then the branding piece is the next phase in, in terms of what's their platform because the world doesn't need another sales guru or another leadership expert, et cetera. It needs someone that, that um, has a platform that resonates highly in a subset of a market. So it might be, I'm going to be the leadership person for newly minted managers in highly technical positions that didn't have any people management experience before. That's pretty niche, right? Versus... Yeah generic leadership or management. So the branding is a piece of the platform development and then the monetization comes after that. Yeah. So that's really awesome. And that's why I like how you kind of blend the two. We actually just uh, taught a marketing class not too long ago to a bunch of small business owners and they were, I think that was the part that a lot of people didn't get. They're called branding and marketing are separate, but like you're saying, they're, they're, they work together. And if you can do both of them at the same time, you'll, you'll be paid, but you're all, you also see a huge brand, like a big, boom in your brand, right? So as far as- well, let, let me just add, add yeah. a thread to that. One of the things that I've seen as of late, last couple of years is personal branding is different than branding, right? So there's this huge body of work that came out of Tom Peters 20 odd years ago, you know, the brand called you, which, which led the personal branding movement, et cetera, which is interesting. I actually believe that thought leadership is sort of the next wave of personal branding because, you, you know, if you've got a perspective and a stake in the ground as an individual, that's transportable. So I might be a junior level something, something here today, or the owner of a company that does why or whatever the case is, but that thought leadership goes with me wherever I go in the future. And I could use that as a competitive advantage to stand out from the crowd, which is the whole point of a branding activity. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so why, why does it make you stand out more so than just doing regular branding activities? I think that's the point that's a little bit big. Well, I, th I think that we live in a world where I don't say people are less trusting, but there's so much information coming at us so quickly through so many formats, we don't know what to believe and who to believe it from, right? So right. the thought leadership shows that someone's got a stake in the ground about a body of work. Um, they're, they're taking that conversation, elevating it to the next level, uh, which is different than just regular branding, right? So, so branding are, is, is, is a subset of that in terms of the attributes of the brand. But thought leadership is around, wow, the reason I tune into Josh is he's having interesting conversations with interesting people that benefit me. Now, some of that is your brand, but I would also 
argue there's a thought leadership piece into that, right? Because the brand is, the conversations are informal. The brand is, I wouldn't expect, uh, you know, the sham wow guy to be on the show. There's a certain expectation of who would I expect when I tune in that you're not going to shake me up every time I tune in. I don't know what, what it, it, you know, it's going to be. There's a style that's part of your brand, right? So all those things contribute, but ultimately the thought leadership that's, that's extracted from programs like this are the conversations, yeah. Well, and I, and I love the fact that you mentioned that, you know, like in, in our context, for example, because it, what's really funny is when we work with podcasters, you know, there's, there's over 400,000 podcasts right now. And at least, at least, yeah. And a lot of people are like, well, man, that's a saturated market. I can't go into it. So what do you tell people? Because the reality is like books are quote unquote, a saturated market, right? There's hundreds and probably millions and millions of books out there, but people are still writing books every day. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I guess like my question to you is like, what, what really, you know, why, why does it not become saturated or what makes it different? Um, I don't think saturation is the question really. Right. So whether you're to write a book, whether you're to do a podcast, whether you do whatever, uh, a, a YouTube channel, you know, Twitter or whatever, you can make the argument that they're saturated. That only matters is you're not adding anything new to the conversation if you don't stand out from the crowd. If if you're, you know, I, I didn't understand Twitter about a dozen years ago, 10 years ago when it first came out, because what I saw was a lot of stupidity, right? So if I wasn't sure you were an idiot, and then I watched your Twitter feed, you now convinced me you were, because what you're posting is useless. You're posting, oh, I had, you know, went to the market today and stood online. Really? Okay, well, that's, that's, that's really <laughs> fascinating, right? Versus somebody else that's actually as whatever their frequency is for putting something out on whatever format, there's a benefit I get from that. Like, that's interesting. Now, interesting could be it's pithy, it's funny, it's insightful, it's, it doesn't matter. But but just because everybody in the world now has a microphone uh, doesn't mean they should. Just because everybody should write a book doesn't mean they should. How is yours going to stand out? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so, and that's kind of what you do as a company is you help people to, to make their content stand out. So what's kind of your strategy when you work with somebody to, to help them in building their content and making it, you know, brand them well? Yeah. So at the risk of sounding like a consultant, it depends, but, (laughs) um, but I think it's, it's, it's about, it's different for everybody is figuring out number one, um, applying real business skills to a discipline that can be fairly creative and doesn't always do that. So for example, uh, you know, if you were to say to me, Josh, Hey, Hey Peter, I'm going to open up a, uh, uh, whatever, a donut shop in my local town in Idaho. Right. I'd ask you a series of questions that you'd be able to answer, answer, right? What type of donuts? Oh, they're organic vegan donuts. Okay, I get it. That's a particular market, right? What's the price point? What's your competition? Where are you going to locate them? What are the margins going to be? Well, you know, there's like 10 questions and you, if you weren't able to ask, answer them, I'd say, okay, Josh, you're an idiot, right? Like, like right. why are you putting your money into this, right? But if you answer them effectively, now we can have some back and forth and say, actually, I think the margin should be higher or lower, or maybe vegan isn't good. Maybe it should, maybe it should be vegan and gluten-free or whatever, right? But, but we would have a target. People go into the thought leadership space by holding their nose and jumping into the pool and on the way down, maybe looking if there's water because they don't, they don't plan it. And, 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 and that's not necessarily a, a fault. I think it's just the way it happens, right? They, sometimes they write an article and it, and it takes off and then someone asks them to write a book and that takes off. And then the next thing you know, you wake up two years later and you're speaking 35 times a year for an exorbitant fee. So the first thing I do is say, 
time out. Let's apply logical business acumen and savvy and develop a strategy, even if you're off the chart successful or if you're struggling. Because in the absence of strategy, you know, serendipity is not, uh, 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 not going to get you to the bank all the way. Right. Yeah. And, and I think like you're saying, it's, it's not about just being vague. It's not about just, I don't know. It's, it's almost not about going in blind, but you do have to, like you said, jump in with your nose plugged and don't even look at the water sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, and, th- and there's nothing wrong with taking risks and taking advantage of opportunity and stuff. But, but, you know, I look at it and say, listen, um, congratulations, you're in the content business. Now there's 30 models that you could use, right? So you could develop a training company that puts people out in the field to deliver the content in, in a, in a coronavirus world that we're living in. Um, right. That's not a good thing. You could be in the <laughs> licensing business and say, you know what, I'm a really shitty manager. I'm awful with people. So I just want to license my content to others that can distribute it, build a moat around me. I just want to create cool stuff. I'm willing to take a smaller piece of a larger pie. Um, you could be in the technology business. You can develop apps. You can develop video-based learning systems. You could develop a consulting business. Are you building it for cash flow? Are you building it for an exit? So these are all the decisions that you need to make, which feel overwhelming to many, but once they get there, I mean, ultimately what we're selling early on to our clients is clarity. And from clarity comes the ability to effectively prioritize because what smart people do in any space that they're in is they confuse activity with productivity, right? Yeah. So none of my clients are sitting around, you know, uh, uh, eating bonbons all day. They're doing lots and lots of stuff. And then we get involved and go, okay, stop doing this and start doing that or do less of this or more of that. Or if you've done this thing 500 times and it's yielded no results, why would we want to do it the 501st time? And just having someone to help them sort of, decode all that. Yeah. One, and you're hitting a really good point there. I mean, um, Dean Graciosi talks about all the time, the not to do list, right? It's everybody has their to do list. And he says, what are things you shouldn't be doing or you should be outsourcing? And it's really funny when you do that in your life, how, how often you're like, Oh wow, I'm doing a bunch of stuff. That's just a waste of time. Or I could pay somebody to do this. You know, why am I spending four hours on this thing that I could pay somebody you know, $50 to do. (laughs) Right. Well, if you deconstruct all the functional things, all the capabilities to be a, 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 you know, a a successful thought leader today, there isn't one human being on the planet that has all those, right? Right. So you've got to be creative. You got to have writing skills. You got to be a social media expert. You have to have instructional design skills, product development skills, negotiation. Like there's 82 different buckets and you're like, nope, you know, at best you're good or at best you're great at a handful, good at some and crappy at the vast majority. Right. Right. And it's usually that crappy at the vast majority that you're spending way too much time that you can either, if you have no one else, but you would hire you to do that job. That's one thing I always ask, like would anybody else pay you money to do the job that you're doing for (laughs) yourself? And they sort of laugh and go, Oh my God, I'm awful at this. I'm like, so maybe fire yourself. Yeah. See, and that's a really good way to look at it. I've never looked at it that way. (laughs) Cause I have four or five things that I'm like, no, no, I wouldn't do that for myself. (laughs) I wouldn't pay myself for that. Wow, yeah, that's that's a good good way to look at it. Right, and and, and if I was paying someone else, I'd fire that person because their results stink because they're awful at it. <laughs> that's right? a great point. Well, Peter, I want to ask you this. You know, especially as somebody who's been in this space for so long, you've got amazing experience in this. What's got you most excited about the content industry right now? Well, uh, what's most? That's a good question. Um, I think what's most exciting 
is that there are so many different formats and ways. So if we go back to the old days, let me, let me sort of frame it. If you go back to the ancient days of Fred Flintstone 15 years ago, the yeah. model for a typical thought leader was fairly straightforward, right? Um, write a book every, there was a 12 month time, there was an 18 month time. There was a cadence that the world said, you should write a book this frequently. By the way, the publisher would give you a fairly healthy advance to write that, right? And then yeah. you go out there and speak, and life was pretty good, you know, and you can make a million bucks a year and you had a quaint little kitchen table business and if you didn't mind the travel, that's you know, not a bad way to make a living. Well, today the publishing industry is upended. It doesn't even deserve to be called an industry because most industries by definition put out more than they take in. I and mean, the publishing industry is a disaster. Right. So it's not all about the books. The speaking industry has been turned on its head, meaning it used to be you can get, you know, go through the bureaus, they would get you booked, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have to do all of that on your, well, 70% of that market, you have to book on your own. If you don't have those skills to do that, it doesn't matter how good you are on stage, you know, and then we hit a crisis, like, you know, in the middle of, of, of now with coronavirus, guess what? You know, every event's getting canceled. So if you're, if you have a shop with one, one product, like a speech, and the right. world is no longer buying speeches, that's a bad thing. So that's that's the old world. The new world is how do you you know you're in the world of getting your 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 thought leadership your content out to more people more often in more ways, right? So it's it's deploying digital, it's it's packaging in ways that make sense, um, and it's monetizing in ways that don't require you to be in with your content in order for dollars to change hands. Yeah. Well, and I really like the way you're bringing that up because a lot of people think that oh, okay, if I'm a speaker, I'm I'll always have a job, but like you're saying, I don't think people take into account, um, you know, the natural disasters, the, the diseases, you know, like the coronavirus, like, like you said, that's, that's shutting down huge speakers. Well, we had, you know, listen, I've, I've earned the gray hair. We've had nine 11 that put the world right. to an end. Yeah. We had the financial crisis in 08. That was a three year punch in the face. Right. Right. Um, hopefully the coronavirus will, will, you know, dissipate shortly. We don't know if that's a one month hiccup, a six month thing or a, a game changing way it's too early but the, but but just from a risk mitigation factor um if you're in an analog only world and don't have anything digital and that goes away um that's not a good place to be and right. you can't make that business up right if you if you lost eight gigs in march they're not you know, you're not gonna get that back maybe so, you know right now what's happening is things are getting rescheduled for later on down the year they might get canceled you know like all that revenue that was just lost at south by that's not coming back you can't if i find the restaurant there I can't sell 10,000 hamburgers next week that I would have sold that this week. Right. <laughs> well, so let me ask this. Is, does it, um, does having your, your content digital mitigate all of that? I mean, is it, or are there more risks to putting your, your content digital? Because everybody's kind of going that direction, right? That's even how we are. We put all of our content into courses or webinars, or we do virtual masterminds. Like those are the sort of things for us that I feel like help us protect against those sort of things. But what are some of the risks that also lie in that realm? Well, there's risk in every realm. So to me, there's only three ways to make money with your content. Number one, you do more of what you're doing. So if you're, if you're not at capacity, whatever, however you define that as a coach, as a consultant, as a speaker, problem one is how do I get to the capacity I want to be at, right? That's right. usually a marketing, branding, positioning function. Next level is pricing. Then you want to charge more for what you're doing, right? If you are at capacity, well, geez, how do I make more money and do less? How do you get your price point up? Well, you can serve different markets. You can go more upstream on the market. You could, you could deal with problems that are higher stakes, et cetera. But ultimately, each market has a ceiling, right? So even the best of the best, you can't wake up one day and say, I'm going to charge, you know, 
$200,000 to be a speaker unless you were, you know, president or, you know, you did something way off the charts. Like the, the, the percentage of speakers that are in that realm are, you know, 0.001%, right? right? And then the last thing is to digitize your content. And, and the digitization is not a one size fits all. It's really, you know, is that um, an individual assessment tool that's sold on a subscription basis? Is it a library of video that is sold through partners? Are you selling directly to mid cap companies or large caps? It really, you know, digital is not a one size fits all. And, and, and to me, it's, it's one of the right formats and modalities, the right strategic partners, what is the ecosystem you want to, you want to create? Um, and what do you want to do with that? Yeah. Well, and, and like you're saying, I think for some people, <clears throat> I, I think the problem that a lot of them are falling into, and I know I even fell into this early on was if you, you know, you take a course, you spend a thousand, five thousand $5,000 on a course or a training, or you go to an event or something and you learn this new way to package your content, right? Oh, like I'm going to, I'm going to start a podcast, right? And a lot of people will do that and then they don't start making money. So they quit. Or, you know, it just kind of blows up in their face. But sometimes yeah, that yeah. just wasn't the best way to package your content. So, I, yeah, I really... Well, so that. I think there's two things there. I think there's having realistic expectations around time frame. So a very dear friend of mine told me about, I don't know, whatever it was, 10, 12 years ago when I started blogging. I don't particularly like to write. I've written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of blogs. I don't particularly... It's not my favorite thing in the world. I'd rather do this. I'd rather have a conversation, which is why we've moved to podcasts. But what my friend said to me when I started blogging, he said, listen, you know, you're a guy that likes to measure everything you want. You know, you're impatient. You've got ADD. You, you know, you're the entrepreneur that wants to see it happen quickly. If you're going to write a blog, um, commit to yourself that you'll do a hundred of them before you go crazy looking at the metrics. Doesn't mean don't look at anything, but expect right. nothing until you've, you've done a hundred. And I used, so I did that and it worked, right? Like we get a ton of our, our, uh, net new clients come in through content that we've created and put out there, et cetera. When I launched our podcast two years ago, same deal. You know, we have over 200 episodes that we've put out uh, to date in two years, which is a lot, it's two episodes a week. We didn't really see much going on until we hit about 60 or 70. And if you, if you actually know me, I'm the most impatient guy in the world. For me to do anything 70 times without getting some immediate gratification, like give me a cookie, you know, <laughs> but, but you, have to, you have to play the long game with thought leadership. Now it's paying dividends that are off the, we couldn't even have, have, have fathomed when we launched it two years ago. Yeah. See, and that's super awesome because I, I like that mentality because it's kind of like that SEO mentality. You know, some people are like, oh, I'm just going to invest $800 this month in SEO. And it's like, well, yeah, that'll be great. You're that's just nice. throwing it away. <laughs> try, yeah. try investing that yeah. for a year and then you'll be like, wow, I'm glad I invested that money. <laughs> well, what happens is the, the more you sort of skip around in, in my world, for example, when someone makes an introduction or someone finds us online or whatever, I have to assume like everybody else, they're going to do their homework on us. They're going to research us. They're going to look around. And what we hear now is, is in an initial conversation with a client, I'm having conversations now that would have taken me sort of three or four conversations six or seven years ago. And the reason that the sales cycle is shorter is because they're, they're learning a lot of what they need to learn by consuming the content on their own. So they'll, you know, they'll start quoting, Oh, and I, you know, I heard you on this podcast with this person doing this, or I saw your video on that or whatever. That makes my life easy, you know, when, right. when they could, when they could sort of take themselves through the sales cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's so awesome. Well, well, Peter, we're coming to the end here. So I'd like to have you give a little bit of background on what you're doing and how you're helping, um, especially entrepreneurs become thought leaders. How, how does that work for you guys? Yeah. So on the entrepreneurial side, um, I think there's 
couple different things that we see. If you're an entrepreneur that's successful and you've got a passion to play, like, hey, you know, all my friends told me to write a book or it's something that I just want to do. Right. We can help you um, not waste a ton of money. And, and I'm using a book as a, a placeholder for content because right. one is I've talked more people out of writing books than anybody I know. It might <laughs> not be write a book. It might be launch a podcast. It might be do some whatever. But if there's something that you want to do, um, you're not sure how to do it. We can be helpful more, more often. It's okay. I want to do this for these business objectives. How, do, how is the launch of this, um, bucket of content is this, this thought leadership, uh, going to benefit my business or launch me into a new business. I've had plenty of people that are incredibly successful in their businesses, but they get bored They're you know, whatever. And they want to, you know, they've got this new thing they want to do. They want to train leaders. They want to uh, develop entrepreneurs. They want to coach, they want to consult, whatever. That's a thought leadership play. So those are folks that we could easily help. Awesome. And where can people find, uh, find you guys get in contact with you? Yeah, best place is the website, which is thoughtleadershipleverage.com. You can email me directly at peter at thoughtleadershipleverage.com. And then you could, you know, you can Google around. There's also the podcast, which is Leveraging Thought Leadership, YouTube channel, LinkedIn, Twitter, all that stuff. We're not on TikTok yet because I haven't figured out if that makes any sense for us to be. <laughs> if it's worth it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally don't think it is for our strategy, but um, I'm, I'm kind of leaning in that way as well as I, I, I've done some cursory look at it. And I'm like, this is basically Vine. It is 100% Vine. I'm pretty sure they use the same code for it. <laughs> uh, I love that. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rant about that, but Peter, before yeah. we sign off today, can you give us one last parting piece of guidance? One, wow. Okay. That's not, that's a loaded question. One it's last a loaded one, because I mean, if you could only get one thing across to our audience before you, before you sign off here. Yes. I mean, I think the one thing would be if you haven't thought about how to or why to or when to integrate thought leadership into your business, you should. And if you don't do it now, you know, it's like the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Right. It is really the most satisfying intrinsically and extrinsically um, and cost effective way to grow your business. Uh, in, in, a, in a market where there, there's just so much noise. It's a great way to stand out. And, and it's also fun. So. Yeah, I love that. Well, Peter, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Cool, thanks for having me, man. The number one needle mover in my business is joint venture partnerships. Growing a following can be time consuming and frustrating. For that reason, we created the Tribe of Titans, the world's first joint venture matching platform. Using this free platform, you can find guests for a podcast, YouTube channel, or Facebook group, or you can promote your brand, product, or service in one simple place. You can create your free account at tribe.theluckytitan.com. Once again, that's tribe.theluckytitan.com.